Welcome to Be Customer-Led, where we'll explore how leading experts in customer and employee experience are navigating organizations through their own journey to be customer-led and the actions and behaviors employees and businesses exhibit to get there. And now, your host, Bill Stagos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Be Customer-Led. I'm your host, Bill Stakos. I am joined by Amy Cioji, who is SVP for Corporate Strategy and the Chief Experience Officer at Strategic Education, Inc. Now, Strategic Education, Inc. has a really cool mission. It is dedicated to enabling economic mobility through education, which that statement kind of just hits me every time I read it, frankly. Amy, welcome to the show. So happy to have you here. Thanks. No, I'm super excited to be here. And I, I love your series. Hopefully, can share some wisdom and talk a little bit about, as you mentioned, what we're doing at our company. Cool. I'm so excited for that. And just for for folks who are not familiar with Amy, I've been a super fan for a long time. The stuff that you put out there on social media and other channels, Amy, is like just always so thoughtful, deep, introspective, and just I walk away like, damn, why didn't I think of that? So, like, thank you for putting all this great stuff out there, and I'm excited just to kind of get into it, but. Before we do, Amy, can you talk a little bit about your journey and what were some of the differentiating factors that helped you achieve sort of the role you're in today? Great question. Yeah. So like many, I started out in integrated marketing, primarily in service to improving customer engagement, which I feel like many organizations sort of conflate with customer experience. Mm. But I think it became pretty apparent that there was more that we needed to do in terms of understanding and designing experiences for customers versus just purely to customers. And so that sort of began my curiosity and my foray into the more comprehensive practice of CX that you and I largely live in today. To your question about the journey, when I think about my experiences, I've worked at organizations like AERP, um, USA Today, and now Strategic Education um, and its family of brands like Strayer and Capella Universities. Mm -hmm. CX, like many, has been more of a build from the ground up sort of endeavor in terms of helping organizations define both what CX should mean for the business, as well as how it should sort of meaningfully take hold in the company culture and its overall operating model. And I think where I found myself now, which is, as you said, sort of chief experience and strategy officer for strategic education, one of the things that I've always been really focused on is not just the advent of CX, but in making sure that customer earned growth and value are really embedded in driving the overall corporate agenda and culture Mm. in a really meaningful way. And so I'm really excited to talk about sort of the marriage of CX and corporate strategy and what that means for our organization, not just in terms of CX scalability and mindset, but in terms of the importance of overall strategic clarity and strategic Mm -hmm. direction Mm -hmm. for broader employee engagement, because we know that that ultimately is what creates that sense of purpose for employees and allows them to deliver against both your customer promise and your organizational goals. So I love where, so I'm seeing more and more CX and strategy starting to come together, much like you guys have done it. You guys are clearly pioneers in this and yourself included in thinking that way and bring and really combining those. I want to get into it, but at least for our international listeners, 
and even maybe some domestic listeners who in the US who are not familiar with the company, can you tell us a little bit about who Strategic Education is and what you're doing? Yes. So Strategic Education, we are in the higher ed post-secondary market. We have a number of educational institutions and assets catered to working adult learners. Mm. So here in the U.S., some of the notable brands, um, as I mentioned, are Strayer and Capella University. They offer bachelor's, master's, and doctoral programs and degrees. We also have more recently an international um, institution, so Torrens University in Australia. And we also have a portfolio of non-degree offerings. So things like coding boot camps or general online education course programs. Very, very cool. So let's get into now that combination of strategy and experience and, and help our listeners and walk them through your role what are some of the differences? You mentioned some of the more traditional kind of CX functions that you see out there that you've been involved in, and I certainly have been involved in the past. Like the rationale, we've talked about this in the past, but the rationale to bring it together, which, which you kind of say before, but then like, what is that difference for, for you all? And how are you bringing that together? Yeah. And I think an important distinction here is that what this role combines is corporate strategy and CX, as opposed to CX strategy or customer strategy, Mm -hmm. which is often embedded just as a core competency in terms of an overall CX practice. And I think that's both a differentiation in terms of past roles that I've had, but it also, I think, opens up a lot of opportunity for improved CX adoption and enablement because it starts to sort of natively embed customer experience into the overall strategic framework of the company. Mm -hmm. And I think while well-intentioned in terms of my own experience and what I see, I think many organizations treat CX as a discrete thing. So here are additional metrics, additional tools that we want to use to represent the customer, but we haven't necessarily declared what the business should do with this, how they're ultimately accountable for it. And we haven't really talked about how the CX focus areas align to the overall organizational goals and values. And so in my mind, in what I've experienced a lot is it's largely a way, at least initially, to measure current state experiences and satisfaction. And while our CX team certainly works a lot in that area, the addition of strategy has allowed us to really sort of operate on three levels. And so I'll talk a little bit about how we're structured, but also how this sort of works. So Mm -hmm. the first I like to think about is sort of organizational. And this is where sort of our traditional strategy team. So we do have a strategy part of the team as well as a CX team. But Mm -hmm. given that we're sort of all under one uh, department, I think there is a lot of crossover and lots of information sharing that we do. So we wear our strategy hat to answer the question, is the organization set up to deliver customer earned value and growth at all levels? And how is that really supported through things like goals and priorities and resource allocation? Right. And that's a lot of the work of of sort of more of the the corporate strategy side. The second is really functional. So do we have customer experience goals and standards that are clearly, clearly articulated as part of that broader strategy? And does that, you know, how does that enable us to achieve meaningful experience improvements and satisfaction at scale. And this Mm -hmm. is where the CX team obviously plays a huge role in this. And then I think the third level is sort of the individual level. And this is where we see a really good marriage between both the corporate strategy team and the experience team, which is, does the organization provide the right strategic clarity to fuel that sense of purpose for employees, to give them that line of sight of what they're doing, 
and allow them to really be in alignment to your customer promise. So there's a lot of work that the team has done on the CX side in terms of building that customer promise, those sets of behaviors that we model model in terms of being more customer focused, but also making sure, as you mentioned, in terms of our overall organizational vision and mission statement, we're defining who the customer is to us, whether that's B2C students or mm-hmm. industry or, or investor partners to you know how that needs to all come together. And I think that's the combination that's been really powerful for our team to work across both at the organizational level as well as sort of at the, the functional and the individual level as well. So that's really interesting. If you, if you, can I just follow up on that? On the individual level specifically, there's so much conversation around there, around CX and EX and the combination, both sides of the same coin, however you want to describe it. Are you then working in partnership with your HR function as part of that? Or are you really, is your team really driving a lot of the maybe workforce experiential items and then kind of engaging HR in a different way? I'm curious just to understand if you can, if you can share that. Yeah, no, it's a great partnership, certainly with HR. So HR really is the one that is probably technically responsible for things like our overall employee health and organizational mm-hmm. health and employee engagement scores. But as I've mentioned, a lot of what we look at and one of the metrics that we use in terms of gauging overall organizational health is this index that looks at things. And one of the big quadrants for us in terms of what drives greater engagement and sense of purpose is this this idea of strategic clarity and strategic Mm. direction. And so that's where there's a huge opportunity and partnership between the corporate strategy and experience function Mm -hmm. and HR in terms of sort of unpacking that and looking at how we need to be more thoughtful in the articulation, right, of of what we stand for and who we are, but how that then needs to translate to the way that we set our priorities, the way that we communicate and set goals around those priorities, the way that we make sure that there isn't misalignment to the work Mm -hmm. that's happening between different departments and infusing as part of this work, what our what our emphasis and what our commitment to customers ultimately is. And mm-hmm. so it's been a really good partnership with HR to think about this. And we think about this from a talent perspective and just an overall engagement perspective. So it's very much a partnership between our two teams, but it's one that is of real focus and priority for us in the organization. So cool. Amy, when you think about other leaders, I mean, one of the nice things, like feedback I get from listeners on this show is like, hey, that was really good. I can take that away, start to like tease out a couple of ideas. But when you think about other leaders or maybe even CEOs who are listening to this show, like how should they start thinking about an organizational design to meet the demands of today's businesses, much like your company has by bringing these two functions together in a really meaningful way? Because some organizations don't even have a strategy function per se that could sit in the CFO org or some teams don't even have formal CX teams, right? But like for listeners, like what do you think are some of those first steps that they can start or questions that they can be asking maybe inside their company to start to meet or start to put in a similar structure perhaps today? Yeah, first, I'm glad you asked the question that way in terms of also thinking about the CEO or sort of executive listeners. I think we're often guilty of sort of preaching to the choir in terms of CX evangelism to other (laughs) CX professionals when we know who we really need to be influencing is the C-suite. I think the the culture champion for a lot of this work should ideally come from the CEO. And that's why in our organization, both CX, as you mentioned, and corporate strategy 
report up through the CEO in this role. And I think that's both an important signal and a testament to the practice and the transformation that mm-hmm. we're undertaking. But when I think about that question, I think about it a little bit this way. If you were to ask a CEO how they would define good CX for the business, and I've asked this question, obviously, to my own CEO, <laughs> and they'll likely tell you something to the effect of, it's a great experience that ultimately leads to greater customer loyalty, improve retention, and improve word of mouth. Great. So if you follow that up to sort of say, and how does that happen? You'll, you'll tend to get answers like, well, we need to improve our products and our services. We need mm-hmm. to think about the overall value and pricing. We need to think about culture. Fabulous. So the next question, and how do you best enable that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's where it starts to kind of fall apart. And I think if you ask the question that way, the answer is not going to be sort of this default. Well, you stick it under marketing, I guess, right? <laughs> because what they're describing in terms of the product experience, the service experience, the culture and all those pieces is really a holistic way that they're talking about customer Mm. value. And so I think that's going to look different in every organization. Maybe it's aligned to some things like corporate strategy. It might be if you have some sort of a a transformation office, depending on the size of the business and the change agenda for the company. I also think having chief customer officers, chief experience officers is a fabulous way to attack this as well. But I Mm -hmm. think in general, Those are the questions. And if not the CEO, whoever the executive champion and sponsor of this work is within the organization, those are the types of questions you should be asking them of the CEO, of the leader, and or of potential as a CCO or a CXO candidate yourself to make sure that CX is well positioned in the organization. And it's aligned to what the definition of success ultimately looks like for Mm. those executives and for that leader. And I think that's what's really important, regardless of where it formally sits, is have people describe what it what it sounds like, what it looks like, what success is, and that will help you sort of figure out what's the best way to align your resources and who needs to be part of that conversation. Those three questions, so simple, so incredibly powerful, and clearly why you've got the structure that you do today. The enabling piece is really important one. I don't think that companies give as much thought to it as they could or as they should. And I think that's where a lot of the breakdown could potentially happen outside of the CEO and maybe their executive team all having sort of a different view of what the experience should be as well. But that alignment using the same language is equally as important. Are you using kind of... So you've got two different... You've got a strategy team and a CX team. Are they using combi- Are you guys using combined tools, like tools together, whether that's design thinking, personas, journeys, et cetera, or... Is the strategy team using their set of tools to create and think about strategy and the CX team using their, because that cross-functional partnership and being on the same platforms and tools, I'd really be be interesting to understand that maybe a little bit more. Yeah. So there are some, not maybe as many as we probably should. I think it's given me some good ideas already, but we do. So some of the sort of design thinking methodologies, frameworks Mm -hmm. are certainly a lot of the ways that both in terms of more traditional corporate strategic planning and in in our design practice and our CX practice, we certainly use. I think on the CX side specifically, a lot of, of what we use as a team are the same tools that I've traditionally used. But what I think has been really stellar is the packaging and delivery of those tools to be really impactful. So Mm -hmm. we focused a lot on 
creation of sort of a, a journey atlas as a way to sort of package tools and artifacts and methods just to be able to deliver for the business. So part of what we've done is really intimately understand and document all of the key student journeys. And for us, that's everything mm-hmm. from starting to think about education to applying for the university, figuring out how you're going to finance your education, enrolling, taking classes, graduating, everything in between. And what we've been able to do is create these journey maps, digitize them, put them online available for our, for the, the company. Mm-hmm. And embedded in those, they're really interactive. So we do have some text analytics, voice of customer platform insights. So what you can do is within any of those journeys, we've kind of broken it down in terms of key jobs or tasks that we know mm-hmm. are the most important that we have to get right in terms of the experience for our students. And so what you can do is click into those, look at what the current state journey map is. You can click in and actually hear audio calls and transcripts that we're pulling from things like chat or our phone calls between our coaches, for example, or our enrollment counselors and the student. So you can look at all of that. We have as part of our design practice, some future state prototypes. And what's really been a, a focus that was, I think, a newer capability that we really brought to the organization was service blueprints, right? Being mm-hmm. able to have teams be able to understand and see the interconnectedness of a lot of the different touch points and processes that are enabled so that if you do mm-hmm. pull this down and you say, okay, I'm in marketing, I want to make changes to X, let me better understand the landscape, mm-hmm. where the customer is coming from. Here's an example of a future state prototype. And also, as we start to make these changes, this does have downstream implications to our chatbots that are connected through the same mm-hmm. knowledge systems or the training and the scripting that we need to arm our, our coaches or our advisors on in terms of making this ultimate change. So those are pieces that I think have been really powerful on the CX side of things that has really enabled the organization to be able to utilize these tools rather than sort of a piecemeal approach mm-hmm. to here's insights and now here's another set of things. And so having that and sort of an overall design rubric for the organization, I think has been, particularly for our current culture, a really powerful way that we've been able to influence pulling this stuff together. You may not be able to answer this, so if you can't, just say no. But the Journey Atlas, I think Forrester created it maybe four or five years ago, give or take, around there. We used the same tool at Freddie Mac. We Similarly, we digitized it using... TA and other sort of insights platform to really make those journeys and those tasks come alive. I think we had like 36 journeys under six overarching kind of experiences. That I think is a really important piece that many companies still are missing, but has that driven you to be maybe not so product focused or are you thinking about going to more journey alignment as a result of that? of that work that you're doing? Or how are you thinking about that? Because that's a big piece for me that I'm hearing now more and more companies like, okay, we were silos, then we went to a product organization. And the folks that are really getting it and really implementing journeys and analytics and orchestration, as an example, are now starting to align around the journeys and not necessarily the product anymore, which is really fast. Exactly. And it's a really timely conversation and one that we're going through right now. So yes, I think the focus on this, and we've also learned this just, I think, in going through this, and all of us have felt this as part of CX practitioners, when you come in as far as this is 
the CX agenda, the CX mm. team agenda, mm. right? Like it's it's not going to go over pretty well. So what we found to be agnostic was to really talk about the student journey, the customer journey. And so architecting our, our overall experience design architecture and all these different artifacts in that way has been a really universal way to, to have people understand that no one person, frankly, not even the CX team or any particular function owns that journey. There are so many components to that. And so that's been a really good way to sort of open the door mm. to having these types of conversations and bringing everybody in and understanding the complexity of and interconnectedness of all of these different groups and touch points. So one of the things that we have done more recently on the CX team related to or even our voice of customer team, we used to have folks that were sort of specifically earmarked for each university or each institution, mm -hmm. or even certain types mm -hmm. of programs and things like that. And we have moved our own resources to a journey level view and actually agnostic of university, because what we have found mm -hmm. is that while the students themselves, the actual degree programs are different, when you go back to that base layer we talked about, which was creating those overall journeys and key jobs and tasks, mm -hmm. to the student view, it's exactly the same. I mean, they want the same things. They want to feel yeah. the same things. They want yeah. the same sense of accomplishment. They need the same types of questions answered. How that manifests might look slightly different depending on, on, on the university or the level mm -hmm. of the degree program and things, but it's largely the same. So we've been able to restructure in some ways to really align our resources as a CX team around those journeys. And we're starting to also see this being influenced in terms of our partner teams thinking a little bit more holistically as they think about QA and training, as they think about starting to build in different support structures and support student support teams. They are also now starting to more formally align around journey, which again mm. is just when you think about impact, but also more importantly, culture. It's such a win to have people start to think about and orient themselves around yeah. the customer journey versus the, the, the function or the vertical or the product, which is such an internal view of, of the way that we need to organize ourselves. Yeah, I think a lot of folks are missing the trick a little bit there in terms of this is something that we were pushing and, and did at Freddie Mac and even in my role today. Just I have a lot of conversations around this. Like when you think about even your product teams, you have product portfolio owners, just like multiple products or multiple journeys, like those individuals can be journey owners, right? And certainly if there are multiple journeys inside um, a set of products, they can own those multiple journeys. But once you start thinking that way, it opens up a completely new set of possibilities and excitement. And I've seen firsthand how from an employee engagement perspective, people just get very much more attuned to the impact that they're having. Back to your point around, I've connected my role to strategy and the customer and there's just more fulfillment there, which, which is such a critical piece. Are you, like, I'm curious just to kind of think for, to hear from you, not many organizations, I'm seeing more and more of it, but not many organizations have brought strategy and CX together. You see a lot more around the chief customer officer or, or chief experience officer, as you mentioned before. How do you see this evolving? I'm a big fan of how you guys have done it. And clearly you, you all are successful in part because of that, that structure. But where do you kind of see this going? Like, how do you see this, you know, coming together over the next couple of years? It's a great question. And I think, so first, certainly if there's organizations that do want to think about a chief customer officer, a chief experience officer, that's great. I think that's, that's a fabulous signal. That's an important role within the organization. But I still think you then need to have some way to align 
the C-suite because now you've got the CMO, the COO, the C2, CTO, now the yeah. CCO or CXO. Yeah. And that's yet another agenda, sort of the, the customer agenda that needs to be reconciled as mm-hmm. part of that. And so I do think in our case, and what I certainly have seen is that the integration between customer experience and strategy helps to align the work and the mechanisms to enable greater adoption and impact, not just in terms of what the CX agenda is, mm-hmm. but but across the organization. Because, And I think also, I don't particularly like using the phrase customer agenda, because to me, the customer agenda is the business agenda, which 100%. is another reason why tying it to corporate strategy more deliberately is really powerful. And I think a lot of what I've described in terms of mechanisms that have worked or how we've thought about those three levels of, of strategy and CX, mm-hmm. a lot of that does sound like traditional corporate strategy. Your listeners might say, well, that's strategy and I'm not in strategy. And you're right. <laughs> but I think as CX practitioners, we all know that one of the biggest hurdles to CX enablement is really goal or priority or, or resource misalignment. So mm-hmm. helping to ensure that you have shared goals, the right resources allocated, and alignment of CX and overall corporate priorities up front is only going to make the work of the CX team and of the organization overall that much more impactful. So I can't say, as I said before, that necessarily one role or construct is going to be best for every organization. But I would say that what has been really nice and what I've now really started to understand and appreciate in terms of our own current structure is that not only does having the representation as the CXO have some some great impact in terms of how we talk about and focus on CX, mm-hmm. but I've also been able to marry that with saying, now here's the CX agenda and broadly for the organization, the customer agenda. How do I help clear the deck to make sure that there aren't things across other groups that are still going to get in the way of how we deliver on that. And that combination is what's been really, really powerful. Very cool. Very cool. What have you seen work in other organizations? So I think that there are, just kind of given my seat these days, I get to see a lot of different models, which I'm really grateful for. I think the line share and maybe like top 10, 15% of companies who are far along their maturity are really sort of leaning into this broader CX agenda in an organization and aligning differently the organizational pieces. So as I mentioned before, I think the folks that are on that cusp or there already are starting to take a much more journey-based view of the company and the work that they're doing and the work that employees every day are, you know, just are delivering. And that is a very, very different model than even just say three years ago. Right. I mean, I think when Forrester first came out with, with their journey atlas approach, I don't think that they maybe even have thought about how this could be the evolution of just organizational structure at some point. And that's what it feels like it's starting to kind of turn into, which is really wonderful to see. And the results that we see from an experiential perspective for these companies are just leaps and bounds further ahead than, than others. There's this big middle 60% that are really looking at or maybe have put in like a head of CX or a CXO or maybe even a CCO, but it still really feels like we're, they're, they're focused on CX metrics and not business metrics and tying the two things. Now, you can have a CX strategy and ladder that up maybe to your corporate strategy. You don't need to necessarily bring the two teams together, although the value is clear to do that. But still so many are focused on those customer metrics. And to your point, that CXO is just trying to influence everybody else. 
And if you don't have good influencing skills and partnership and collaborate well across, or your team's not capable of do that, able to do that, it just breaks down. So mm-hmm. I think there are, there's a big kind of group in that middle that is struggling right now with, with solving for that and making those connections. And then for, let's say, the bottom 20% that aren't even there, it's much survey-driven, 8% of our customers are responding and we're dry- making some change based, in, based on the feedback or not, but still really just toe in the water. And you'd think like at this sort of stage in the game wh- where there's so much out there, just information to be able to access that, yeah, I think it comes down to resources, frankly, and what they're able to execute and deliver against versus people thinking that not, not wanting to do it. But the discipline really feels like it's at this inflection point around where do we go to next? And for those with the resources that can think deeply and hire people that can change an organization in the right way, it, I'm really, personally, just my own opinion, I'm just trying to really see a separation in those companies. But even in that CXO role, I think the companies that do get it and are doing it well are saying, hey, you know, think about McDonald's or Walmart, like we're going to embed marketing, agile transformation, brand, contact center, like those everything kind of post-sale now rolling up into that CXO or CCO role. And once you're able to bring that together and have everyone working collaboratively, man, that could just be magic. And I've really seen that firsthand, which is just so wonderful to see from a customer perspective, as well as the employee perspective, because over time, that has profound impact on culture and, and having a customer-led culture where people are putting in that incremental effort outside of around their role to really create value, not only for themselves and their teams, but also ultimately for the customer too. Absolutely. Well said. All right, I've got two more questions for you. I know you're super busy and I, I'm, I'm so grateful for your time. Who do you look to for inspiration? Like, one is where do you go for inspiration? But two, like, who do you look up to in our space? I'm curious. Yeah. So I guess the, where do I go for inspiration? I don't know. These days, I feel like it's a really good brownie or cup of coffee. <laughs> it, it doesn't take much for me these days, I must say. Small wins. I, I, yeah, I will say I'm a runner. I like to do some ultra running and things. So I tend to try to do that. And I'd say other inspiration would sort of be as cheesy as it sounds, my kids. So um, we've talked about this. I have two youngsters under the age of five and they ask so many questions. And while it's really maddening in the moment, like my daughter will ask me things like, well, why is a banana not pink? And you're like, I don't know how to answer that question. Right? <laughs> There's no good answer that will satisfy you. But at the same time, it's this sort of constant reminder of that outside in thinking, that sort of curiosity, yep. that innate yep. curiosity yep. that sort of helps me remember, don't stop asking the why or the why not. It can be really inspirational for our type of work. So I would say those are sort of the the sources of energy for me is running and food and children. Very cool. Um, in, yeah. In terms of thought leadership and inspiration, I mean, I think I'm really fortunate. So I sit on the board of the Customer Experience Professionals Association, and there are so many just amazing practitioners, CX evangelists, people that I have come mm-hmm. across working for that through that organization that have been really phenomenal. And what I love is that part of our focus has been not just domestically, like how are we all between consultancies and Mm -hmm. practitioners focusing on customer experience, but a big focus has been on international growth. And one of the things that has been really interesting to see is 
how is CX taking hold in other organizations? And I think part of what's been really helpful for me is grounding myself in saying the CX discipline, the CX practice, I think we're starting to really formalize and standardize a Mm. lot of, of what those disciplines and mechanisms and tools need to be. But it is very interesting to see how that shows up culturally within different types of industries, but also in different countries. And it's very humbling to say like, oh, we think we know everything about CX, but it's just a very different orientation in some other countries. And I've really enjoyed just learning about how the CX practice is being considered and implemented in other parts of the world. So I'd be remiss not to list a bunch of people that I've worked with through my experience with the CXPA, but I would say in general, that organization and particularly the the board and, and the folks that I've been really fortunate to work with, I think are just constantly challenging us to think about the CX practice and the discipline on a global scale, mm. which is, you know, something that is very much still evolving, as you say. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in uh, in some markets, certainly in Asia Pac, still very far behind a little bit. You've got Europe further ahead, Africa as a continent. Brazil is one of the fastest growing CX markets out there which is fascinating to, to kind of see the growth there. So all of and it's And even so like Australia and New Zealand, for example, super advanced in CX, yeah. just as they are yeah. in typical business management in general. Yeah. Yeah. So having that kind of representation is just really interesting in terms of where they're taking it, how they are structured, how they think about CX, what that even means yep. is really interesting. So I've got, just before I let you go, one thing that I've started doing, so I've got, folks know on this show, like I've got three littles as well. I've got three under 10. And- I've started now asking my nine-year-old and my seven-year-old, what do you think this product is going to look like in the future when you're dad's age? Or your the answers that I get are just off the charts hysterical, but like sometimes they're just like, wow, that is spot on too. So I'm turning the questions around on them now. So it's a, it's a fun age where I get uh, really interesting responses. We do that before bedtime and it's a fun way to kind of end the day, get their creative juices going. And the, the next day I'll typically get a a question of, can I actually go make that? Do you think I can go build that? And I'm like, yeah, 100% you can, right? Not right now, not in our house, but like you can go work on that. So such a pleasure to have you on, Amy. Thanks so much for joining us. And I can't wait to see your successes and how your organization evolves in the work that you're doing, continue to drive growth for the company. So thanks again. Thanks for the gift of your time. Great. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. What a great show. We're out. That's it. I'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to Be Customer Led with Bill Stakos. We are grateful to our audience for the gift of their time. Be sure to visit us at BeCustomerLed.com for more episodes. Leave us feedback on how we're doing or tell us what you want to hear more about. Until next time, we're out.